Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. The Philosophy Podcast is brought to you by Oxia Time, a cool watch company focused on university-branded watches. John Canaris is the founder of Oxia Time, and he was the goalie at Penn in the late 80s who led his team to the Final Four. John is actually best known for being the goalie that Gary Gate dunked on in the Air Gate. Oxia Time makes beautiful, Swiss-made, authentic watches whose design and quality match the essence of the universities they represent. I can attest to the quality of these watches. John hooked me up with a sweet Brown University Oxia watch, and I think it's the nicest thing I own. Initially licensed with eight Ivy League schools, Oxia keeps adding new schools each month. One of the coolest things Oxia offers is custom timepieces to commemorate championships or to celebrate storied teams. Check out the UVA Lacrosse Championship watch. It's sick. Princeton did a really nice one last year as well. Oxia even did an LSU football championship watch this year. For any teams interested in creating a custom watch this season, Oxia will upgrade it at no extra cost to a championship watch if your team wins a conference or national championship next year. For players, parents, and coaches interested in custom team watches, check them out at oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. How's it going, everybody? Really excited to welcome Brian Brecht to the Philosophy Podcast. Brian is the head coach at Rutgers and uh, really fired up to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Jamie. So, Brian, give us an update of what's going on at Rutgers. It sounds like you guys are having actually kind of a normal fall. Yeah, we've, we've been very fortunate. So, uh, you know, we're uh, going through all the protocols, testing uh, twice a week, uh, you know, and uh, but uh, we've been uh, out there for fall practices. We're in the weight room. So uh, our guys are uh, taking classes online and, and uh, about getting a chance to get together every day and be able to practice, spend time with one another and prepare for the spring season. Yeah. So you guys are in full go. It's been about a month. There's a lot of schools around the country that are literally in cohorts of six or 10. Um, how are you guys getting it done? Uh, you know, we're very fortunate. Uh, you know, uh, we're uh, testing twice a week, like I said, Monday and Thursday. You know, we've had a, a couple of positives that uh, have, uh, you, know, you know, made us, uh, you know, step aside with a couple guys with contact tracing. But for the most part, uh, very minimum um, as far as the positives. Uh, you, know, you know, the guys are, uh, you know, have a lot of energy being around uh, each other and, you know, getting out on the field every day. So, uh we're very fortunate to, you know, be able to practice and uh, and take advantage of the fall. The weather's been great, and uh, it's been fun being out there with everybody and uh, just to uh, have a stick in our hands and, uh, you know, you know, being – it almost feels like it's normal. You know, I'm in the office every day. You know, we're getting the chance to practice with the guys, and uh, it, it's uh, it, it's fun being on the field. Playing lacrosse, man. Uh, so many kids are, have been missing out on that from last season all the way till now, and you guys are uh, really lucky. Um, you said something – in our pre-podcast conversation about you guys aren't really seeing the spread of the virus in practice. And therefore, from a contact tracing perspective, you kind of focus on roommates. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's 
it seems to be the way it is, and it's really interesting. We're taking all the precautions, you know, when we're in the weight room, we're in small groups in the weight room, uh, we're wearing our masks in the weight room. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the handful, and when I say handful, two or three, uh, you know, positives that we've seen throughout the fall, uh, it's been, um, you know, in a, in a social setting, it's been outside the weight room, outside the uh, practice field. So uh, it's just, uh, you know, being mindful of our, our surroundings, uh, you know, uh, making good choices uh, when we're out. Uh, shopping or grabbing a bite to eat and, uh, and, and with, you know, groups of people, uh, you know, staying away from large crowds and, and uh, you know, the density of, uh, of uh, you know, a lot of people in a small area, maybe indoors. So uh, I give our guys a lot of credit. Our senior leadership has been great. Uh, you know, it's, it's not easy to be back on a college campus and, and uh, be mindful of your surroundings and maybe, uh, uh, you know, take a step back from, you know, maybe what you were doing at this time last year. But uh, give them a lot of credit. Uh, they've been great on and off the field and uh, focused yeah. on their academics and, you know, enjoying the time to get out there. I think practicing every day, being able to lift and keep the stick in their hands was uh, was more important than maybe some other choices that they could make. And, uh, you know, very thankful that uh, uh, we have a great group of leadership and, uh, and captains this year. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And it, it, it you guys are, a, you know, really good beacon of hope for everybody else that when they get a chance, they can uh, go out and do what you guys are doing, which is play lacrosse and, and be smart off the field and keep this thing under control. Um, all right, so like I normally do, I'd love to hear about your journey as a player, as a coach, um, starting back in the early days on Long Island. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know, grew up uh, uh, in Suffolk County, Long Island, uh, went to Sachem High School and uh, you know, certainly uh, enjoyed my uh, experience uh, growing up, uh, you know, playing, you know, it's not travel lacrosse, it was more rec lacrosse, uh, you know, in the, in the early days before, uh, you know, starting up with uh, the organized uh, high school, junior high and, and uh, high school level lacrosse. Uh, uh, certainly uh, enjoyed my experience at uh, Springfield College being a phys ed major and, uh, and playing there. And then, um, you, know, you know, started my uh, you know, coaching journey uh, with a uh, student teaching uh, stop uh, at Yorktown High School before uh, going to Hartwick College. Um, you know, had a chance to work with some some great you know coaches in the game. Uh, you know, Roy Whipple, uh, you know, up at Hartwick. Uh, you know, my first boss uh, at the college level. Uh, you know, certainly enjoyed the time with him and you know being uh, with Mark Van Arsdale at the University of Pennsylvania. You know, having a chance to coach with Jack Emmer at uh, West Point and and then uh, you know obviously uh, being an assistant here at Rutgers. You know, you know, going on to Loyola College before uh, becoming the head coach at Siena College for seven years and then uh, back here to Rutgers to be the head coach. So, uh, you know, having a chance to work with some great administrators and athletic directors, head coaches and assistant coaches along the way. You know, certainly, uh, you know, I, I've enjoyed the journey, so to speak, as you said, and, um, you know, taking a little bit from each stop and, um, you know, kind of putting things together as, uh, as we uh, compete in the Big Ten right now. Who is your um, high school coach at Station? Uh, Rick Mercurio, Coach Patillo, and uh, Coach uh, Mercurio were my two coaches at Station. What were some of the things you took from that experience that you brought with you all the way? Uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, passion for the game. Uh, they certainly, uh, you know, love being out there with us. Uh, intensity, the competition, um, you know, the drive. Uh, you know, it was just, uh, you know, fun being around. Uh, you know, the locker room atmosphere on the field, uh, some of the trips, uh, you know, we had a chance uh, 
you know, to travel a little bit. So I remember some of the trips we've done, um, you know, going down to Baltimore and uh, playing some of the teams uh, uh, in New Jersey. Uh, you know, they, they did a good job of uh, in the early part of the season, uh, having some uh, games set up with Gilman, Boys Latin, uh, Bridgewater, Mountain Lakes. Uh, so, uh, you know, they, they, they gave us an opportunity to play some games uh, outside of just being in Suffolk County. Yeah. The station was huge, right? It was one of the bigger high schools uh, in the country. I, I know my graduating class was uh, 1,300. So uh, it <laughs> certainly was a big school district. Crazy. That's as big as Brown. Brown was, <laughs> Brown, my class was 1,300. Uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, when I was at Hartwick College, uh, I think the whole school was, you know, 1,500 students. And I had that many in my graduating class in high school. Unbelievable. And then uh, lots of lots of um, colleagues of yours are uh, Springfield guys. Talk to us a little bit about that experience with uh, your mentors there and, and some of the people you met along the way that are still in the business. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, been fun to kind of, you know, get together uh, you know, at some of the events, obviously, in the fall and the, and the summer, not this year with, uh, with everything going on. But, uh, you know, uh, Coach Bugby was, uh, you know, fun to play with. And, and obviously, uh, you know, a lot of guys, uh, you know, Sean Quirk and uh, Brad Jurgensen and John Kopacki, uh, you know, Jason Miller. So been a lot of guys, uh, and not just at the college level, but still you're seeing around uh, at the club level now. And, uh, and obviously at the high school level, you know, bumping into them at, at events, um, you know, uh, seeing their kids uh, growing up and being on the field. Uh, it certainly brings back a lot of good memories and, you know, ties uh, a lot of relationships together, you know, both on and off the field, uh, you know, over the last, you know, you know, 20 plus years. So you had, you had a real amazing opportunity to work for a lot of guys there before you became a head coach. Uh, maybe you could just rattle off, you know, starting with whip, you know, what you took from some, each of these guys. Yeah. That's, you know, uh, what I truly, uh, am fortunate in, uh, and feel lucky to, you know, uh, about my career is that, uh, you know, all of them were uh, a little different, uh, but all of them uh, I can remember vividly, you know, uh, uh, opportunities that they provided uh, both in the office, uh, recruiting on the field, and, um, you know, very thankful for each of the stops. I mean, uh, uh, you know, playing uh, uh, and being at, uh, you know, Hartwood College in Division Three, uh, you, you did a lot more than just uh, just coach, so. Uh, you know, you know, kind of, I guess, uh, you know, uh, Coach Whipple, you know, kind of showed me how to work, you know, how to run the concession stands uh, at a Division Three football game to, uh, you know, uh, put some money in the budget so we can uh, go on a trip to Florida each year with the guys. Uh, uh, obviously, the recruiting was very different back then uh, in the in the in the '90s, and and obviously in Division Three, uh, uh, you had to you had to grind, so to speak, and, and work at it. It, it wasn't. Uh, uh, your lists were a lot bigger. The times on the phone were a lot more. The times on the road were uh, a lot longer. Uh, but uh, but you you learned how to you know build relationships. And uh, you know I think back then, if you think about it, uh, you know those were the days as you remember. You know doing a uh, a lot more home visits, a lot more yep. high school visits, going to going to four or five high schools in a day, sitting down in the guidance office. You know with uh, you know four or five guys from each high school that. You know, you wanted to maybe uh, get to know and talk to and introduce to uh, to your school and your program. So, uh, you know, those things are maybe not done as much anymore. But those were that was uh, what you did all fall is you car and you and you'd spend two or three weeks off of campus just visiting uh, kids uh, at their home and uh, at their high school. 
it was actually amazing back in the day being an assistant when you had like literally such a long list of calls and long list of people to visit with because you just got really good at getting in front of people and practicing your pitch and and, and building relationships, as you said. Yeah, and I think it was just a a steady stream of, of visits too. You you yeah. you took every opportunity to you know get guys and families on campus to visit. So I think that goes on still now uh, with the way things are. You know, not this fall, but you know, in previous falls with that September first uh, start date. You know, I know uh, September's and October's the last couple of years have been uh, mad rushes to get guys on campus and and show them around and uh, introduce them to your school. So, uh, but that was, uh, you know, that was the norm back then, every weekend, every opportunity, you know, all year long to, and, and, and really it was, uh, you know, during that senior year, you know, uh, you know, we probably didn't call guys until, uh, you know, August or September of their senior year, you know, uh, at, that, at that time to, you know, start introducing them and having those conversations. All right, so the next stop was Penn? Yep, UPenn uh, for, for two years with uh with uh Mark Van Arsdale, so uh, another great experience, uh, a different set of you know maybe parameters uh, admissions wise, uh, uh, you know obviously a different level of uh, student athlete uh, and and maybe commitment you know being at uh, being at Penn with the way uh, we traveled and you know some of the alumni resources that we were able to provide the guys, so uh, just another learning experience uh, you know on and off the field uh, you know kind of you know take with me uh, you know. Uh, during the process um and then army and then uh and then up at army uh you know uh, back in the day as you well know uh there weren't these uh you know club events and and tournaments uh, you work camps and uh, you know the army camp was one of the first camps i worked as a as a as a player and then as a uh, you know young assistant coach so you know building that relationship i think with coach emma uh, allowed me to uh you know have an opportunity when the position was open to you know, get in front of him and uh, enjoy, enjoy the, that experience with both Matt DeAnge and, uh, and Jack Emmer, uh, you know, for uh, the year I spent at West Point. What, what, do you, what, did you, what did you take from Coach Emmer and what was the difference between your experience with Coach Van Arsdale and Coach Emmer? What did you take from those guys? Uh, you know, both, both great coaches. I thought, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Mark was uh, very cerebral and just, you know, watching him uh, – you know, kind of draw up some plays and uh, and do some things on the field. Uh, you know, certainly, uh, I thought he was uh, had a, a great mind uh, offensively, and uh, you know, really take a lot of the uh, development and the uh, and the strategies and thoughts uh, from him. And you know, Coach Emmer, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, at that time, uh, you know, the elder statesman in the game and a uh, great experience, great administrator. Um, you know, certainly, uh, uh, you know, defensively, it was. Uh, Great to be able to, you know, kind of work with someone who was so entrenched in, um, you know, understanding the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball, ball back to back uh, with one another. Uh, so, uh, you know, once again, very, very different experiences, but you know, certainly, uh, you know, took a, an awful lot from uh, from both the time, uh, you know, with them. And so, your last stops as an assistant were Rutgers briefly, and then Loyola with Coach Sturge. Correct. Yes. So. Uh, a year here uh, um, at Rutgers, uh, and then uh, you know three years at Loyola before moving on to Siena College, both with uh, Coach Sturgill. So uh, you really, you really got it going at Siena there in the last four or five years, winning you know a lot of games. 
you know, it took a little while to get it going. And once you got it going, you, 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 you know, you seemed to crush it. It seemed like you won five championships in a row or something like that. But uh, talk to us a little bit about that experience. Uh, it was a great opportunity. I think coming from uh, Loyola College, Siena was very similar. You know, uh, you know, 3,000 uh, undergraduate uh, students, uh, you know, nestled, uh, you know, right outside the, the city of Albany, upstate New York. So uh, it was a, uh, it was a you know, traditional you know, small private, uh, you know, liberal arts uh, school. So, uh, you know, uh, they wanted to make a commitment, you know, uh, you know, they uh, had just, uh, you know, shifted away from having a football program in the Mac. And, um, you know, uh, obviously, uh, you know, we were the, the biggest sport on campus, uh, you know, roster size wise, uh, as far as a male sport and, um, you know, had a, had a great athletic director and, um, you know, very thankful for the opportunity that he gave me to be a, head coach uh, for the first time and, you know, still stay in touch with him and, and many of the alumni up there. And I, I think when you have a, uh, you know, great administration and uh, great alumni, um, you know, support, uh, you know, the kids benefit, you know, the program benefits. And, uh, you know, those are the two things I can see, you know, right now that I've been fortunate to have at, at Siena for the seven years I was there and, and now here at Rutgers. And I think those are, you know, two big pieces of uh, having success. Yeah, awesome, man. All right, let's um let's talk about Rutgers across now. Um, this is your tenth year. Um, you guys uh, made a move from the Big East to the Big Ten, which was awesome. That was huge. I think huge for lacrosse and huge for your program. Um, but uh, talk to us a little bit about how you like to build your culture. I think uh, you know it starts with maybe uh, the time. Um, you know, uh, in order to build a culture, build relationships, uh, whether it's recruiting or in the locker room, uh, I think you got to be around the guys. You got to spend a lot of time with them, and been very fortunate to, you know, have some uh, great assistants that, you know, uh, you know, rolled up their sleeves and uh, enjoyed you know, the process of, uh, you know, developing uh, the culture, developing the, uh, you know, uh, the way we want to work and, and play. Uh, you know, so it starts with the recruiting process and building the relationships, and continues in the locker room and on the field. So, um, you know, I say this all the time. Uh, you know. You know, players make plays and uh, we need to attract talented players and also, you know, make the players that we have uh, uh, that want to be in that Rutgers locker room uh, the best version of themselves, um, you know, throughout their four years. And, uh, you know, like I said, I've been very thankful for some great assistance and, you know, you know, being able to develop those guys and allow them to, you know, play their best lacrosse uh, as they, you know, kind of go through their career and, and finish their careers as, as seniors here. Let's talk a little bit about uh, lacrosse philosophy. So what is your defensive philosophy? Uh, we'd like to, you know, have our guys be fundamentally sound, uh, you know, understand uh, that uh, everything's not going to be perfect, but if we can do the little things uh, extremely well and work together and, and communicate, um, you know, we're going to have success as a unit. So, um, you know, I think uh, like anything else, you know, getting the communication and getting everyone on the same page is, is awful hard, uh, but if we can develop some drills, if we can spend some time in small part situations, you know, building, um, you know, it, it makes for us to have a, a, you know, great success uh, on the defensive end. And then, you know, I, I do think it's a it's a blend of uh, you know the the offense and the transition. We like to you know uh, you know build and piece everything together. So uh, you know we want our you know defensemen to be able to handle the ball. They we put them in a lot of the drills offensively and in the transition stuff. So uh, they need to defend, pick up ground balls, you know, clear the ball first time, but uh, we also want them to be able to, 
you know, be fluid in the middle of the field and, and uh, make some plays, uh, you know, with their teammates, uh, you know, transitioning from defense to offense. Yeah, you guys have, uh, you guys have been fun to watch like that, especially uh, my boy number five, Kyle Pless. He's, you know, he's, uh, you know, a four-year starter for us, and uh, we've had a, uh, you know, a pretty good history of uh, having some dynamic LSMs uh, with Zach Sakura and Kyle Pless and, and uh, some of the others that uh, we have in our program right now that are, you know, coming up. Uh, I think Ethan Rawl uh, is is, uh, is made out of the, you know, cut out of the same cloth, and uh, you know, certainly see a lot of their games, uh, you know, not only defensively but uh, after the defensive play is made after the ground ball and, uh, you know, running in transition. So it's been fun watching them develop and, you know, uh, you know, you, you try to recruit guys to your system, but you also try to, you know, develop, uh, you know, opportunities in practice with drills to, you know, allow them to play to their strengths. Yeah, it's awesome. It's fun to watch the transition lacrosse. What's your guys' philosophy on that? You know, want to be able to, you know, take chances, but within a controlled risk atmosphere. So, uh, uh, we want to be able to you know the difference between uh, uh, you know a win and a draw and a win and a loss. So uh, because at the end of the day, if the transition and the early offense stalls and it's not always there, you know you still have a chance to play offense. So it, it, we don't want it to be all or nothing, but we do want to push the pace a little bit and uh, maybe uh, you know make the other teams defend us from end to end instead of just in the in the offensive box there. So uh, a lot more space. Uh, a lot more uh, opportunities uh, when you have space and time to, you know, make plays and, uh, and, and see opportunities. So you've been there. This will be your 10th year. How many years has your lefty attackman, Charlene Beatty, been there with you? <laughs> We've been uh, uh, fortunate in the locker room and on and off the field to have him uh, around our guys for, for seven years. <laughs> Unfortunately, because of that, you know, he's off the field a couple of those years. So uh, uh, it's been fun watching him uh, this fall. Uh, I think it's the healthiest he's ever been, even counting uh, his first year here when he had uh, an injury, uh, you know, that he came in with. So uh, he's uh, mature. He's uh, seasoned. He's uh, been a great teammate uh, and a mentor. So uh, we're hoping for uh, this year to be his best uh, uh, in a Scarlet Knight uniform. He is a special player. I, I remember watching him in the 2016 Minto Cup. And, and uh, other than the goalie on the other team, he was the best player in that tournament. And, uh, and then a couple of devastating the injuries. I mean, um, seems like a great guy and um, heck of a player. Yep. Uh, talented uh, skill set. And uh, um, obviously, uh, you know, we've been fortunate to have some guys around him that have uh, been able to play off him. And, uh, and likewise, uh, I think he's, uh, uh, you know, learned how to, you know, play off other guys and uh, maximize his strengths. And I think we got a, a good group. Uh, Coach Saramit's doing a great job with those guys uh, with his time here now and, um, and some of the development of, of our players in the program. And he's certainly one that is, uh, uh, is, is primed and, uh, and ready for a, for a great season for us. Yeah, no doubt. Let's talk a little bit about the offensive side and Coach Saramet, um, you know, a great guy was out here in Colorado with me for a long time. Um, and joined your staff a couple of years ago. Uh, what do you guys, what do you guys run and what's coach Saramet run and what's your philosophy on offense? Yeah, I, I think a uh, very similar, uh, you know, uh, motion based principles. So back to the defensive uh, side of the ball, uh, fundamentally sound with, uh, you know, spacing and, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the motion concepts and then, you know, um, you know, strongly believe that, uh, you know, each season's a little different. You know, we have a, a theme that we want to, 
you know, uh, you know, play with a certain style. But, you know, when uh, when players come and go and graduation happens and and guys develop within your system, uh, you can do more things. And uh, I think what we're seeing is that uh, we want to you know, have a little tempo and pace of play. But, um, you know, each season is a little different. And each time uh, uh, guys graduate and new guys come in and develop at a, at a certain level, uh, you're able to you know, do different things. So uh, I think you're you're seeing uh, this year uh, with a lot of uh, you know younger guys over the years become older, and some new guys that have come in, whether it's uh, transfers or or freshmen. Uh, I think it uh, uh, each year you have a little different playbook, but uh, everything comes back to being fundamentally sound, having good spacing and timing, and and uh, having guys play to their strengths. And uh, you know we have a, a nice mix of lefties and righties, dodgers and finishers. Uh, off-ball guys and on-ball guys, so just uh, allowing them to work together collectively, uh, just like on the defensive end, and, and play as a unit and play together to uh, ultimately, uh, you know, get a goal for Rutgers. When you think about two-man game globally in the individual on lacrosse, and then you compare it to Rutgers, what would you say is the percentage of offense generated through two-man game sort of across the board? Just a guess. And then same thing as it relates to you guys at Rutgers. Yeah, uh, obviously uh, you've seen a, a, a lot more, uh, you know, pick play two men game, uh, you know, in the game of college across. And I guess, you know, the one thing, you know, shifting a little bit is that uh, if you're not playing that every day in practice, it's probably hard to prepare for the two man and the picks and things of that nature, you know, for a, for a week of prep, when you have two or three days of practice. So um, yeah, I think that's, that's where, you know, uh, you know, whether it's us here at Rutgers or, or others, you know, you're starting to figure out if you, if you're doing that, you know, on a consistent basis, defensively, you know, communication is getting better and obviously being able to defend it. Uh, you know, if you're just doing, you know, one or two days of prep work uh, in the middle of the week to prepare for it, you know, probably a you know, little bit of a disadvantage, but I guess that goes for, for any offensive style. So, uh, but that's the the one thing that uh, we've seen here a lot is that uh, you know we play against it every day. Uh, probably a little easier for us to you know defend it, uh, and probably uh, the advantage we have is that if you don't see it every day, it's it's just like anything else uh, in in football, you know, and, and in basketball, you know, uh, there's different. Uh, uh, if you don't play the spread offense and, and you're used to uh, you know running the ball and uh, ground and pound, you know, it's going to be different when you got to get some of the guys out of their you know, comfort zone and, uh, and out on the edges, defending receivers and, and running backs coming out of the backfield. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a fine line between, you know, trying to do everything and maybe uh, doing a few things extremely well. Right. And it's a really good point for the coaches listening. I mean, a lot of times you've got to pick what you think you're going to see during the course of the year and install it. Just because you know you're going to see it, you might as well like have it in so you can run it pretty well yourself. Kill two birds with one stone. You might as well have it in. You can also practice against it. Um, and I think you know the one reason uh, you know we maybe uh, you know came to it here uh, just in the conference that we play. You know, being a little different than our peers. You know, so uh, uh, trying to have a little uh, different slant and uh, and and obviously be a little unique. Uh, you know, uh, in a conference that we play in. Uh, you know, so that. Uh, we're not just like everyone else. Right. And so what would you say your percentage of two-man game is if you were to take a guess, you know, 
is it 40% of your possessions, 60, 30, 20, 70? Uh, at least half, you know, uh, yeah. in some capacity, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, a little variation in transition, uh, you know, uh, you know, offensive six on six patterns. So I would say uh, you know, probably half of our offensive possessions have some element of it. It seems like that's, if I was to guess a, a universal percentage, I would think about that. Although I think there's some programs that are even more, you know, if you count mirrors, you know, as kind of a, a part of two man, it might get up into 70, you know, 70, even 80%. And, and how do you guys develop your two men offense? I think uh, a lot of things uh, offensive, uh, you know, principle wise, uh, we try to, um, you know, develop some uh, drills, whether it's a shooting drill, stick work drills that, uh, you know, get this slickness and the skill set, uh, gets the shooting reps, you know, within some of our offensive patterns. So, uh, you know, trying to, you know, develop a, maybe a, a roll dex uh, of, uh, of drills that, you know, and, and, and invent some things and design some things in, um, you know, two, three, four person sets uh, that will be a, a part of our offense when we put it together, whether it's transition with our poles or whether it's, uh, you know, the six on six uh, with our offensive personnel. Do you guys like to run more your teammate game on the wings or behind in big littles type stuff? I, I, I think it, it varies. It goes back to, you know, your personnel. Um, you know, we've done a lot with the wings. Uh, you know, Adam Chalambides has been great on the wings for us in transition and six on six. You know, we had some players, uh, um, you know, obviously Jules Henningberg, um, you know, uh, with the ball in his stick at X. And, you know, we've done some things with him uh, behind the cage and at, at goal line extended. So, uh, I think each year your personnel changes, um, you know, so I think you try to develop some things, uh, you know, with playing to their strengths. I mean, Jules was a very talented player. Christian Mazzone, another talented player. He was very good uh, uh, at the wing, you know, whether it's the high or the low wing dodges uh, with his skill set. You know, Jules being behind the cage a lot um, at X and, um, and then seeing, uh, you know, guys, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Adam right now, uh, you know, really thriving uh, on that left wing area. I'm glad you brought up Jules because um, that guy is unbelievable. I was so bummed that he didn't play this summer on PLL Island. Um, I really believe he could end up being, you know, one of the, if not the best player in the world. Did you, did you see that coming with, with his, uh, his unique skill set? Yeah, not just his, his skill set, because his skill set has, has developed, you know, over the years, but his wiring, uh, you know, from day one, uh, talking with him and getting to know his family, uh, you know, he was just uh, more committed at a young man at that age than than uh, than, than most of his peers and uh, uh, his his work ethic um, and uh, and just uh, his commitment to to be better, be the best version of him, and and obviously to help our team and and program grow during his four years. So uh, uh, not surprised he's uh, you know playing at the highest level, uh, extremely competitive uh, young man. Uh, a hard worker and uh, and and always thirsting to learn and to grow. Uh, you know, he was one of the you know first ones in the locker rooms and the last ones to leave. Uh, had the lights on at night. You know, in the fall, uh, as the as the clocks change and the and the sun goes down early. You know, he was always back. You know, seven eight o'clock with the lights on. You know, developing his uh, game and and shooting and um, you know uh, you know very happy that uh, you know he's you know, been able to play at the highest level, you know, with Team USA and uh, with the PLL and, and now with the indoor stuff. Uh, yeah. I, I know that's something that uh, he's very passionate about. 
he he's really amazingly versatile as a player because he he can break you down and shake you. He can get his shots off on the corner. He's a he's awesome off ball. He can shoot from time and room. He can finish, and he's like about as two handed of a player as you're going to see. Yeah, that's that was the first thing is uh you know uh, he did have two hands uh you know he uh his freshman year uh you know he he uh, played a lot on the left hand side for us and uh, and then obviously uh, became the the quarterback and the ball handler. Uh, but yes, uh, you know, whether it's on the left or the right-hand side, we've moved them around in some uh, uh, formations, even playing up top a little bit, uh, you know, and uh, he's certainly been able to thrive and uh, uh, make the guys around him better uh, with his versatility. Yeah, really cool stuff. Um, all right, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about player development. I've heard you use the word on both sides of the ball, fundamentals. And I'm sure that's going to be one of the words you would use when you talk about player development. So my question specifically is what, how do you define fundamentals in terms of your player development? Uh, I think it's a, it's the basic building block, uh, you know, skill sets, uh, you know, that are needed. So defensively uh, we try to, you know, do a lot with our, our footwork and our positioning, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, approaching the ball, uh, and communicating off the ball to be able to, you know, move around, slide and recovery. Uh, I think offensively, uh, you know, uh, you know, a firm believer that, you know, you want guys to play to their strengths. So you have some guys that are more, you know, right-handed, left-handed uh, dominant. Uh, but if in practices, in the, in the off season, you know, we can, uh, you know, put them in positions to, to really force their uh, development of their offhand, um, you know, when game time comes around, they'll be more confident and, uh, and feel more comfortable, you know, uh, doing that, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, you've, you've been up North, you've uh, been around the, the Canadian and the box game, uh, you know, as much as anyone else, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, in the tight areas, they're so gifted and skilled with, uh, with their protection, with their, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, mechanics shooting and passing, uh, uh, that they don't need to put it in their other hand, but, uh, if they can develop that, uh, you know, uh, offhand, it'll just make them uh, that much more, uh, you know, effective in, the, in those certain uh, times where, uh, you know, you want the bread and butter, you know, 90% of the time. Uh, but there's going to be a, a situation, there's going to be a loose ball, there's going to be a, uh, a lot of guys in a tight area, uh, and you're going to need to, you know, go behind the back. You're going to need to have one hand. You're going to need to be dynamic in something, and that's what separates, you know, good from great is how dynamic you can be. Uh, you know, in your fundamentals, but also in, in being special in a, in a skill set that you have, whether it's yeah. with your feet, whether it's with your communication, whether it's with your hands, scoring, um, or just, uh, you know, being uh, hard to guard with your elusiveness offensively and, and being, you know, steady Eddie and just being able to sit on hands and, uh, and not fall for fakes and uh, just be able to lock in and, you know, just, uh, you know, not get run by. All right. So, Cross-check hold or V-hold? Probably cross-check. So right on right, you're going cross-check hold. Yeah, we want, uh, I think we want to get on hips. We want to jam and, uh, and get a piece of guys. So uh, it, that goes to back and we have this debate, you know, as of this week in the office, uh, you know, do we want to have our defensemen uh, changing hands? You know, uh, uh, but then it also goes back to, you know, we need to recruit left-handed defensemen so we can, uh, you know, be maybe a little more effective and, uh, covering those right-handers. So uh, uh, it goes back to recruiting and then playing with the guys you have in your system to allow them to have success. So I think uh, 
um, you know, both those, uh, you know, conversations have to be made. We need to recruit left-handers to play righties and uh, we need to, you know, think about developing uh, switching hands. You talk about left-handers covering righties. Um, there are some people out there that like always put lefties on lefties so they can V-hold the lefty like, like uh, uh, Rambo getting, you know, an apple, let's say. Um, but, but, but clearly there's, there's good reasons to do that. And there's good reasons to go left on right. Why do you like the left on right better than the left on left field? Well, listen, and, uh, you know, when you go back and you have a lot of, um, you know, right-handed defensemen and, you know, teaching the V hold, uh, to be able to play, uh, and, and be able to contain a Dodger is something that you need to work on. But if you think about, uh, you know, uh, the cross check and, and being able to, you know, have contact at the hips and the waist level, stick up the field. Um, you know, so there's a lot of reasons for, uh, you know, playing righties on lefties and lefties on righties uh, to keep that stick up the field, to yeah. keep that contact uh, uh, with that little, you know, cross check and jam uh, at the waist. And, uh, and maybe they get that, you know, um, you know, left foot up to get it to the cone to turn them and the right foot up uh, against lefties to, to turn them and to keep them below goal line extended. Yeah. Awesome. Really interesting. What about, what's your philosophy? You know, you're talking about approaches earlier and there's a lot of different scenarios when you're approaching the ball. You could be approaching a shooter. You could have a guy more like approaching you, or you could just be kind of going to approach a guy behind the net. Let's, let's talk about that third scenario where you're just, you know, maybe a guy's get, picking it up out of bounds even. So he's going to kind of coming at you. Yeah, are you backpedaling, stick out? Are you moving laterally and bumping? How are you playing that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that we spend a lot of time in the fall is just, uh, you know, being aware of our surroundings, where we are in the field, uh, behind the cage. What, what, what hand is, uh, is the player we're approaching dominant? And uh, if you're thinking about the small parts, you know, fundamentally, you know, defensively, we are playing as a team and as a unit. So if we can, you know, keep the ball in one area, so that when we do have to slide, uh, you know, where, you know, the goalie knows where the ball is, uh, the, the, the hot guy, the slide guy knows where the ball is, and we're able to play around it. It's when we don't have a plan and, uh, you know, guys are going all over the place, back and forth, sweeping left and right. Uh, I think it makes it a, a very hard on everyone behind the ball. So, uh, you know, ultimately we want to have a plan. And uh, most of the time it's, uh, you know, keeping the ball in, a, in an area that is a, uh, less, um, you know, uh, less going to, you know, uh, be, be able to hurt us. So, uh, you know, so down the sides, below goal line, uh, you know, low angle opportunities, you know, make them uh, only have to be able to do one thing. The, the more they're triple threats in the offense, the harder it is to defend defensively. Yeah, for sure. So do you backpedal or move laterally when someone's approaching you as a short stick? Uh, I think we want to, you know, you know, uh, figure out where they are in, in the space. There's going to be a time where, uh, you know, backpedaling maybe, uh, you know, out, you know, outside the paint and uh, outside the box. Uh, but once you get inside the box and once inside that paint area, uh, we're going to have to create some contact because uh, once again, they're, they're becoming a, more of a threat to score uh, and you got to get your hands on them. So uh, if we can get our hands on guys and get our uh, hands on Dodgers and maybe, uh, slow them up or maybe put them to an area of the field that uh, is to our advantage and not let them have free reign. Uh, that's always going to 
be to our advantage. So uh, we have to really be careful of uh, how much uh, backpedaling we're doing. Yeah. Because if you, it, it's like what you said earlier with your poles, like you like to bump guys on the hips and, and, and send them into an area because you can kind of get them off track, right? And is that something you'll try to do with your poles also? Uh, of course, I think, uh, you, know, you know, whether it's short stick or long poles, there's, there's going to be an area that, you know, the defenseman can, you know, uh, get a few checks in, you know, uh, you know, play with some distance, you know, with the head of their stick and that six foot shaft. But uh, there's going to be a time where, there's going to need to be some contact. If they have too much wiggle room and you're just uh, you know, trying to defend with the head of your stick, uh, uh, the attackmen are too athletic. Uh, midfielders and offensive guys are, are too crafty and they have you know, too much space. I mean, uh, the more room you have with your feet, the more room you have with your hands, uh, the more effective you are offensively. So tie up the feet, tie up the hands, um, you know, take away some opportunities, uh, the less effective they are. Yeah, really interesting. And, and the reason why I'm asking, Brian, is because I've been thinking a lot about one-on-one -on -one defense since watching PLL stuff. And, 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 you know, I think we grew up at a time when it was a lot of backpedal, stick out, don't make contact until you hit the goal line. That was like a traditional like way that things were taught, like in the 90s, end of the 90s, 2000s, stuff like that. But then you watch some of these short sticks and the way they move laterally and bump guys. And, and then you think about, okay, well, the issue is, like you said, if you put your head of your stick out and a guy runs right at you, okay, you're not going to get much of a bump on him and he's going to end up on the island to closer to the goal than if you were able to bump him off track. And what I'm trying to figure out is that balance between having your stick out when you might be, you might give up a guy running right through your stick or getting bumps on guys where you're moving more laterally and forcing them wider. So maybe they're at the hashes when they get to the Island, not four yards inside the hashes. So any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've always felt that uh, uh, you're going to have to get some contact when you're defending the, the Dodger and the one-on-one uh, because uh, you know, you have the head of your stick, you know, guys, you know, what are tackling taught to do? You know, they're taught to get in, get out, run through the head of their stick. So yep. uh, uh, there's going to be a time where you got to you got to keep the contact. You got to steer the guy uh, with the contact to, to get him to an area that he's not going to be a threat. And if you're always backing up and you're always trying to have that cushion, you know, that's that's the space they need. You know, guys are, you know, stick development and uh, the skill sets are, are too high now. Um, you know, they're able to have a lot of, you know, uh, release points uh, with shots and finishing. So, uh, you know. All you need to do is, you know, have their hands be free uh, and then they can, uh, they can pass shoot. Uh, and obviously same thing, uh, dodging, the more space they have, the more room they're going to have uh, uh, in an area that, you know, puts them uh, able to score goals. So, uh, you know, you got to have some contact uh, to, to get them away from where, where they want to go. What's your take on um, two man game defense, big littles when the ball's behind, how do you, how do you guys like to play it or do you change it up all the time? Well, just, it, it's, it's harder to stay with matchups. So uh, we start off with the, you know, practices have to be harder than games. So, uh, you know, all throughout the fall, uh, we're, we're practicing uh, when we're doing this stuff, you know, staying with matchups, being able to, you know, over communicate, you know, learn from mistakes. And, and, and um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's very hard sometimes. Uh, you know, then when you get into the, uh, you know, the flow of the games and matchups, Yes, if it's a little on little, 
you know, you can probably start switching. Big on big, you can probably start switching. But if you if you start practicing that, you know, it's a it's an easy out. And uh, so uh, you know, it's it, it's tough sometimes, uh, and it's uh, some growing pains. But uh, it, it's it's I probably think it's the the right way to develop the defensive side is is making sure that you know we can stay with matchups and uh, and and then you can always switch. It's easier to make that adjustment coming out of a timeout, halftime, or in the season. Along those lines of, of practicing some different things and trying to stay with matchups, are you trying to fight, push over them and under them, or are you kind of just going under? How do you play that? That's a great question. And I think uh, those are some of the things we're starting to, you know, share with the guys uh, in, in fall practices. Of where are they on the field? You know, so let's just take, uh, for example, we're fortunate enough we have uh, – you know, hash lines uh, on the on the practice turf that we have. So, uh, you know, are they inside the hash or outside the hash? So, uh, if they're inside the hash, you know, you're probably going to have to get over and uh, and get through on the top side because you know they're in that range where if you get under that pick, their hands are free to be able to shoot inside of ten or twelve. So, if they're outside the hashes, you know, you can probably get under the pick and then uh, be able to match up afterwards because they're probably not going to shoot it from, you know, 18, 20 yards. So uh, learning the depth of where you are from the cage, uh, you know, uh, spatial awareness, uh, you know, uh, I think those are, you know, important fundamentals for the defense to know and uh, the communication, letting each other know where they are on the field. So uh, do they have to get over or get under that pick based on, uh, you know, if they get under and they're, you know, close to the goal, uh, you're probably uh, leaving guys that just that room with their hands and feet free to be able to, you know, take that shot. Yeah. Great answer. Love it. Um, all right. Let's, um, let's turn the page and talk a little bit about recruiting. Um, this will be our last topic. And it's a, always a really interesting one because I love to hear what coaches are looking for. So let's start with attackmen. What are you looking for in an attackman? And, and you're probably looking for, a few different kinds of attackmen. There's like positions within positions. There are, you know, uh, you know, uh, obviously, uh, uh, you know, to balance the field, you need to have, you know, uh, strong uh, right-handers and left-handers. Uh, uh, yeah. But ultimately, um, you know, the feet and the skills are the two things that stand out. You need to be dynamic with your feet. You got to be able to, you know, draw slides, run by someone, and you're going to have to have a skill set to be able to, you know, feed finish and, and, and shoot the ball. So, um, you know, you're probably in recruiting, you know, looking for, you know, a, a couple things. One, um, you know, guys that fit a system of how you want to play. And, and, and two, uh, you know, when you, when you go through practices and you, you're looking at things down the road, you know, what are some of the things we don't have? Uh, and, uh, and, and maybe trying to find those things that, that you don't have, uh, you know, whether it be, you know, speed or size, left-handed, right-handed guys that can just, you know, you know, uh, as you well know, you know, we do a lot of shooting drills. We try to develop shooters, uh, but sometimes, you know, just the natural body mechanics and the, and the way they, uh, you know, some guys are just natural shooters and the, the ball comes out of their stick a lot faster with a lot more velocity and, and, and a lot quicker, you know, uh, as far as, uh, you know, they don't have to wind up to, you know, to shoot the ball. So um, you, you want to develop the things that you need but you also want to recruit the things that you need as well. That's right. Um, how about midfielders? Are you kind of a positionless lacrosse? 
type of guy or are you looking for your classic sort of downhill dodging middies or both? I think you, you, you need a little bit of both. You can't have uh, everyone being the same. So uh, we, we do want to play with a little bit of pace and go from defense to offense. So uh, we, we're asking our midfielders to, uh, at least in the, in the fall right now, there's going to be a time where we're going to have to drill down, come and have a timeout, who gives us the best punch offensively, come and have the timeout, who can get us a stop and clear the ball and uh, run in transition. But right now, uh, you know, all our midfielders are playing both offense and defense. Uh, it's a challenge every day because you have a lot of guys that are, you know, used to being uh, the offensive threats in, in high school and coming off the field. So they never played any defense. So this is the first time they're playing. And uh, if it's the first time you're playing midfield defense at the college level, there's some uh, pretty good college guys offensively. So it can be very humbling and, uh, and frustrating at times. Yeah. But at the end of the day, practices have to be harder than games. And uh, we want to see, uh, you know, who can, uh, who can get stops for us, who can play in that, you know, uh, NASCAR and that transition, um, you know, offense, you know, going from defense to offense. Uh, so uh, if, if they can get stops and they can, you know, understand how to play defense first, uh, it makes us uh, a lot more uh, uh, dynamic offensively. Okay, how about defensemen? What are you looking for in defensemen? And are there positions within positions that you're recruiting for polls? Yeah, sure. I mean, we, uh, you know, you, you need to have guys who can win matchups and cover. Uh, uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you could slide to everyone uh, and you can be a, just a, a sliding team and, and uh, we're just going to, you know, slide to everybody. Uh, but you would love to be able to, you know, stay strong as much as you can and uh, win some matchups. So if we can have guys that are dynamic with their feet and have the ability to, uh, you know, cover uh, and you don't have to slide to everybody, uh, that certainly keeps you a little stronger, longer defensively. Um, you know, uh, you, you need some guys, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, not everyone can be a, a cover guy because, you know, there's only one ball. So, uh, you know, most of the times defensively, you're, you're playing off the ball. So you're going to have to play, uh, and, and be the two, be the help, be the slide guy, uh, you know, maybe be the communicator to be able to get guys to their spot if you're off the ball all the time. So uh, there's, you know, you're probably off the ball defensively more times than you're on the ball. So, uh, you, know, you know, developing uh, an understanding of uh, uh, spatial awareness and, and, and help defense and, and communication is going to be very important for team success. How do you even evaluate off-ball IQ in a recruit? I think, uh, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, always moving. I, I think if you're uh, able to understand the furthest your guy uh, is from the ball, the furthest you can be from your guy, uh, jumping ball side. So you're constantly moving around. So uh, whether you're the slide guy and the hot guy, or whether you're in a position to deter the dodger, you know, from, uh, from those gaps, whether it's alley dodges, what's a S dodges, you know, whether it's uh, helping down. So, uh, you know, maybe uh, the attackmen don't feel like they have the liberty to just get topside all the time. Uh, I think, uh, you know, watching them, how they can maybe step off their guy a little bit, you know, helps you understand uh, if they understand, uh, you know, help defense and, and uh, do they understand the, the, the flow of being able to get back out and uh, be able to, you know, uh, you know, play the ball when it comes around to their man and, and you know, get a stop defensively. Awesome stuff. Um, all right, goaltenders, what are you looking for? How do you evaluate one of the most difficult positions to evaluate? <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, you know, it's uh, face-off guys and, uh, and, and goalies, right? So uh, two of the most critical positions, uh, uh, you know, in the game. And, uh, and sometimes, uh, 
you know, uh, it's matchups. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, uh, goaltenders uh, specifically, uh, there's so many things we ask them to do. Uh, it maybe goes back to that, uh, uh, do you want to have uh, someone who does everything well or do you want to have someone who's very strong in one or two things? And uh, I think uh, it, it's got to start with, uh, you know, stopping the ball. You, you know, can you uh, make saves with your hands? Are you in a position, uh, you know, with your body to, you know, to make saves? Um, you know, I think uh, uh, communication is, is very key. Uh, being the leader, the quarterback of the defense. Uh, and then uh, for us, you know, being able to, you know, make plays with their stick, outletting the ball and getting the ball out. Uh, finding the open guys. Uh, so, uh, you know, if, if we're, if we're going to push some tempo and pace and transition, you know, we're going to have to be able to, you know, not only make saves, pick up ground balls, uh, but we're also going to have to be able to get it out of our stick and, and find the open guys uh, early because uh, those windows close awful, uh, awful fast. So if we don't, if we double clutch, if we, uh, you know, maybe don't see things as, uh, as fast as we need to, you know, that kind of slows down the transition part. Yeah. And when you think about goaltenders, part of it is just they have a knack for saving the ball. And that's like the hardest thing to figure out because do they have that knack at the next level when the high heat comes? It's, uh, it's funny. We talk about that uh, um, you know, all the time. You, you look at some goalies that are in uh, you know, very good programs uh, that communicate. They have a good presence. They, they make the saves they, uh, uh, they should. Uh, but when they don't see as much uh, at a younger age, are they developing and, uh, you know, and, and, and learning and uh, figuring out a lot of the uh, intricacies of the position. So, um, you know, uh, and, you know, I don't know where I'm going with this because I've had goalies be on talented high school teams and be talented uh, college goalies and then, uh, you know, be on teams that are under 500 and they're seeing a lot of shots, you know, 25, 30 shots every game and under, under a siege of, uh, of shots and uh, attack, uh, uh, so uh, it's, uh, I think it, it goes back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier with Jules, you know, and I think any position at the next level, how you're wired and how your, you know, your commitment level, uh, your compete level, uh, that it factor, no matter what position you are, um, you know, everyone's the best player in high school and on their club team. And then they go to a college team and you have 50 guys that were all, all Americans, captains, all league, all county, uh, you know. Uh, and then uh, how do you separate yourself uh, from your peers when, when everyone did the same thing you did in high school? Yeah, such great stuff. Hey, Brian, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I, I really appreciate it. Love talking lacrosse with you. It's been fun to watch you build the program at Rutgers. Well, my pleasure. I appreciate you thinking about Rutgers and uh, uh, anytime, uh, always available to you.